Yes, greetings everyone. This is Kabaka Pyramid from Kingston, Jamaica. I, I'm actually in the uh, beginning of making a, a song that's called Stop Touching My Belly, I'm Lactose Intolerant. And when I was, you know, when I was a baby, I was really into just uh, doing weird pictures and I wanted to be an artist when I was a kid. I just want to be able to continue on doing what we're doing and have Metal Church get out there to get to the level where the band deserves to be, where Kurt Vanderhoof deserves to be, and the music that he's written. That, that's what I would like. But all you had to do was be able to make some noise and express yourself, and it was complete freedom, and there were no rules and no expectations. There was simply self-expression. Reach to the stars. Uh, do the best you can. Put all your energy behind. Whatever you partake in life, do the best. Do it 100%. Welcome again to a new podcast from Project Daybreak. Now, we have a new guest in front of our mic, but let him introduce himself. Hey, my name is Kevin Estrella with Pyramids on Mars. I'm a instrumental rock band from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And Not- uh, what I do is uh, quite different than what a lot of people, or what, what most popular music is, out, is doing out there. Um, now, of course... Um, I think the first question and perhaps the most important question during this interview, are there pyramids on Mars? Or <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question. And the answer to that is absolutely 100% yes, there are, are definitely pyramids on Mars. And um, there, there are several pyramids on Mars, but the most popular ones, the most famous ones are the D and M pyramids, in uh, the Cydonia region, which are about a few miles away from the face uh, in on Mars. You may have recorded, remember about the face that was recorded by um, the, one, of the, one, one of the orbiters in 1976, and just uh, not too far from it, um, there are the actual Pentagon five-sided pyramids. So yes, there are pyramids on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, you, you know, I, I can hear that you're quite passionate about those things. So I, I presume that's where the name came from. It is actually, yes. <laughs> it's I, not a coincidence uh, that you're like, hey, no. I, I like pyramids on Mars, and then afterwards you heard there were actually pyramids <laughs> on Mars. <or? laughs> no, I've known about pyramids on Mars, and I've, I've, I have a, I've, been, I've studied UFOs and aliens for like 20, over 20 or 30 years. But um, with my music, with my my direction in my music and my passion for those t- subjects, it became a perfect marriage of what I wanted to portray musically and also um, f- visually and and just with everything, all my passions. It just was a perfect marriage. And when I when I heard um, it was actually what gave me the idea was a song by uh, this great drummer called Vir- his name is Virgil Donati. And he uh, had a song on his one of his solo albums called Pyramids on Mars. And I said, that's what I want my solo project to be, Pyramids on Mars. And so when, when Pyramids on Mars, uh, we, when, I, when I created Pyramids on Mars in 2011, that was the title that I chose, and that became the visual direction as well. And it's really caught on uh, in a huge amount. Uh, I mean, we have, we have radio play in Canada the U.S., um, United Kingdom, Netherlands, and um, Germany as well. 
um, were really uh, becoming very popular in the United Kingdom, actually. And we should, we're actually going to be on the Fireworks magazine in, in this uh, in in May in May as well. That's always fun uh, achievement, of course. Uh, an, yeah, an important achievement if you go uh, extra extra bordered. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, um, you said in the beginning that you guys are doing something unique, something no one's doing at the moment. Um, now, right. I don't want you to tell all your secrets, but um, perhaps. Yeah, what's so in- unique about the concept? Well, with Pyramids on Mars, Pyramids on Mars, I'm a instrumental rock act, very similar to guitarist Joe Satriani, mm-hmm. uh, so much that I call myself the Satriani of the North. <laughs> and that's quite a big hat to wear. And I've been interviewed by other people, and they ask, okay, that, that, that's quite a big title, you know, title, high title with a lot of expectations. Do you hold up to the, your expectations? And from reviews that have come through in magazines and, and, and interviews, that yes, I definitely hold up to the name, the Satriani of the North. Uh, and he, he's aware of, the, of you calling yourself like that, or? <laughs> I'm, I'm hopefully getting in touch with Satriani. I, I have connections, uh, uh, one one radio that I'm on quite a bit, rock radio, uh, pure rock radio. He uh, is supposed to be interviewing Satriani in the very near future, and he's already interviewed me a few times, and he's going to be uh, directing Satriani to check me out. So uh, that's that's <laughs> always fun, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, do you actually still remember? Um, because you know, as a musician, you come from a, a certain background. You grew up with a certain genre of music. Um, do you still remember the very first record you ever bought, or LP, or vinyl, or a cassette, perhaps? Or <laughs> the very first, uh, actually, it was it was it was a, it was a cassette, and the very first cassette I ever bought was, believe it or not, was Michael Jackson's Thriller. <laughs> yeah, but it's not that that awkward, you know. We we hear that a lot. Um, the huge huge Michael Jackson fans all over the world, I presume. Um, yeah, it's it's not that awkward, you know. We've we've heard uh, Muppets, we've heard <laughs> Sesame Street. Uh, yeah, you know, it depends on the age you when you are buying those things, you know. Um, I was ten years old. Yeah, I was ten years old, and the first was the first cassette I ever bought was Michael Jackson's Thriller. And is Michael Jackson someone you look up to, or are there any other idols in in the music business, or perhaps? Uh, well, I was I was a kid at the time, and that that album was you know very influential you know on on me as a child growing up. But my musical change, my music direction changed quite a bit with my my cousin introducing my brother and I to to Rush and Iron Maiden, and then it was all about it was all about Rush and Iron Maiden, and that's when we started taking our guitar playing seriously. And my brother and I we learned every single Rush song we could possibly get our hands on. <laughs> And uh, we were we were we were good, you know. We were good at what we did, and uh, we also played a lot of Iron Maiden too. But um, my first couple bands, uh, well, actually, one of my my first serious band, Firestorm, uh, for our for our drummer's audition, he we we ended up doing for the audition. We did the first side of Twenty One Twelve. We did La Vila Strangiato, which is a fifteen minute instrumental. <laughs> it was the craziest. Um, uh, we had a, a blast because my brother and I have always wanted to be able to play those songs. We finally found a drummer who could play them, and we just, we just, we just went mental. It was great. <laughs> well, if you if you have a performance, what would you like people to remember you by after the, after the set? Or 
Is, is there, is like, wow, this was unique or man, he could play some guitar or. <laughs> um, mean for myself? Yeah. Well, what would you like people to remember you by? You know, um, you, you do a performance, uh, people are going home. What would you like them to, to think about? Is I'd it like uh, them, about, yeah, because you do the instrumental? Um, I would like people to be touched. I want people to, to feel the music, to feel it the way, the way I do. Uh, my favorite guitar players, my ultimate favorite guitar player is, is, is David Gilmore of Pink mm-hmm. Floyd. And he can just play one note that just can make you cry. And if I can touch somebody that same way, then my job is done. And it's been very, it's been, it's been very grateful that um, I've had several interviews where people have said, you know, without without knowing what my influences were, you know, they say they can hear David Gilmore in my playing, which is a very high compliment. Yeah, that I can I can imagine, of course. Um, now, of course, with social media and you know you're having a lot of airplay and and. You're all around uh, Canada, the U.S., United Kingdom, Netherlands. Um, social media, of course, uh, brings down like the border between every country, and everyone can just contact you directly, give feedback, give comments, give compliments, or uh, perhaps uh, some negative people. But we don't talk about those, of course. Um, do you think you get a lot of positive feedback, and and you're like? touching people all over the world is it a blessing to have that social media it's been a huge a huge blessing the the music industry has changed a lot obviously over the last you know 15 20 years you mm-hmm. know back you know 20 30 years bands would you know tour and play and and that's how people found people uh, in this day and age um, the, the gameplay is it's completely a different game and um, with social media, I've been able to reach out to people and find people. I've, I've taught myself how to use social media um, to advance, you know, to my advantage. And 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 you know, I I have subscriptions to you know the do-it-yourself musicians magazines. Um, that's not the magazine, but I'm just saying there's tons of them out there. People who are giving advice to people who are musicians on best practices. And how to maximize usage on Facebook, on Twitter, and other other things like that. Mm-hmm. And for me, I found Twitter to be absolutely it's my it's it is my bread and butter. I've made um, probably ninety five percent of my connections through Twitter. And I grow. Um, I was growing at a thousand new Twitter followers a month. And now that's increased to 1,500 new Twitter followers a month. That's nice. That's of course because yeah, um, like they say, and and, and it every every social media takes time, and that's what people forget. But um, I can imagine that that it's rewarding when when you put a lot of time in the social media and and you see your followers uh, increasing. You see they they. Inspire, they get inspired by your music. They want to follow you, to want to check you out, to want to hear everywhere on each radio station. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it is rewarding because I can, I can imagine that, um, because, you know, it's a blessing on one hand, but it's also a curse on the other hand because, um, you're not playing against the, the groups in, in your area. You're playing against the world. 
that's one thing. I mean, it's like anything. Um, there's always a positive and a negative side to things. So, yeah, it definitely makes it easier for bands to get out there and get noticed. But now everybody's out there getting noticed because yeah. everybody's able to do it. <laughs> so now there's just a lot more noise out there. That's so then it's trying, it's trying to find out how you can stand out amongst the crowd to get yourself noticed above, you know, your competitors. And the way, you know, for me, it's basically I continue to educate myself and I, I work at it every day. Um, I, I, every day I work at least, um, two to four hours of putting, working into music. And, and 99% of that is in management, marketing and promotion. Only a very small portion is actually me picking up a guitar and, and playing and recording something. Yeah. So that that puts it into perspective in regards to how much work you need to do if you're a serious musician who wants to get heard. You know, you're going to be doing you know at least eighty percent of your work is going to be managing your managing yourself and, and promoting yourself. And that that's the invisible work, of course, because huh? you know you have a lot of people, a lot of. Like I say, dumb people, but uh, perhaps <laughs> I'm not saying this on mic, but um, you have a lot of people that are like, yeah, it's easy to be an artist, you know, you just out there, play a half an hour uh, once a week and, and you're getting paid like we work full time all day, all night. It's nothing like that, you know, there's a lot of invisible work to get out there. Um, you guys are working day and night to get out there to, to, be, be, to be able to play that half an hour on stage, you know. It's it's even more difficult than that, unfortunately, <laughs> David. I mean, it's it's there's so many swords that are that are slicing musicians up. Um, you know, the, the amount of work that goes into you know not just you know learning how to play an instrument, but being in a band and rehearsing, and and trying to build your following um, is a huge amount of work. And and you have to keep in mind that that the majority of musicians have day jobs, so they work just like you and me. But they're out there working, trying to, to make something better for themselves to get heard. And, um, you know, for me, um, you know, I'm fortunate to a certain degree where um, it's just myself and my brother who plays bass. When we play live shows and then the rest of the music I have, uh, uh, it goes through my laptop and it goes right through the sound system. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it works very well. So we've alleviated, you know, the equation of, of, of having band rehearsals because at this stage right now I just don't have the time we we rehearse individually we go on stage and we just rip it up and people are just like blown away and that's how we do things um, at, at, when I when pyramids on Mars gets larger with performances then yes I will be putting together a band but like as I said I'm a one I'm a solo artist I'm a one-man shop so I do everything I'm my own manager, I'm my own promoter, I'm my own marketer, I'm my own producer. <laughs> I produced all my albums. Um, I played all the instruments on the albums. Uh, you know, reviews have referred, you know, some people who have done reviews on me have referred to me as Superman. And that is, <laughs> that's actually very correct because I'm a one, like, I, I do everything. Yeah, it, it's so like we, we had, uh, uh, here in Belgium, we had a, a one man band. Uh, who was playing like six or, or seven instruments at the same time on the streets. It's, it's something like that, but a big, uh, yeah, let's say uh, 2.0. <laughs> 2.0. The 2.0 version. Um, now, um, I've been asked uh, perhaps a strange question, um, and 
yeah, I, I, I don't think I'm I'm in the position to to answer that question, so I'm I'm posing it to you. <laughs> sure. But um, someone asked me that um, piracy does it really affect the the, the non international superstars? Because you know, I can imagine that um, you know people like the the, the mainstream commercials, uh, this the Miley Cyrus uh, and, and stuff like that, that they have yeah they notice a difference from piracy uh, and a decrease in income. But do other artists notice the, the decrease or perhaps an increase on income? I don't know. I think piracy, you know, personally for myself it really is not so much of an issue because where my music is available, you can list, you have to, you basically have to purchase it. Mm -hmm. um, it's on iTunes. It's on Amazon. It's on most elect, you know, electric forms out there. If you go to my website, pyramidsonmars.com, you can buy a physical CD. There's a button there. There's a hot button and there's iTunes as well. Uh, my, my have some of my songs streaming on YouTube um, unless somebody's able to like, you know, take it off of YouTube. Mm -hmm. but, but, but really what I find is the issue is that people don't buy music anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. Yeah, um, but it's, I, I, I have always said that, that I have the feeling that the music industry hasn't evolved with the rest of technology. This sounds strange, but I mean, um, if you look out how everything is available, right at your do doorstep nowadays. It isn't like it used to be, you know. Um, when you wanted the CD, you had to go to the store. Um, you had to go to a concert and, and, and go to the merchandising stand and, and you have to get it there because it's it isn't anywhere, you know. Uh, mm. But nowadays, I just go online and I can, you know, get everything from shoes to, to hats uh, and everything in between. And on top of that, I can even get my furniture, my house, even my, my mortgage all online, you know. I, I don't even have to leave the house. Hmm. Doesn't the music industry ha has to change? Um, because, you know, I, I'm perhaps old school, but um, I never had vinyls. And now since about, yeah, I think two, three years, I started collecting vinyls. I even... Got a, an old scrap thingy uh, from from uh, you know th those wore out uh, marketplaces mm -hmm. to be even to play vinyls because you know it isn't sold uh, in your in your media stores anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's you have to you know for vinyls uh, except here in Belgium I think we have two three record stores that still sells vinyls and everything else you just have to. Yeah, get second hand, you know, search mm. all little marketplaces and, and, and if someone is selling his vinyls because he doesn't have a needle anymore to play it or anything like that. Yeah. So, but I think that there's a huge, yeah, demand that music business just changes, evolves into the 21st century. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's, you know, where the revenue for music is going now it's it's a lot of it's being done through mainstream and through uh paper you know paper you know for membership whatever mm -hmm. um but there just seems to be less and less money that's going to artists and cd sales are you know they've plummeted because people just aren't buying cds in physical form as they used to 
which is pretty sad because I'd rather have a CD in my hand than, you know, having a tune on my, you know, my downloaded sitting on iTunes or stuff like that. I like to actually look at the CD, look at the artwork and actually, you know, have it in my hands, like something physical that's actually there. And I, I still listen to CDs. You know, that's, that's me. You know, I, I, yeah. I would rather have an album. I'm not going to go out and buy singles. Um, you know, an it, album. It's, it's a dying breed. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing. Like, I don't understand. Like, for me, an album is more than just, you know, anybody who just buys a single from an artist, then you're not really, you don't know that artist. You just have a single. You know, when you actually have an album, it's a, it's a time, it's a time capsule because it captures a moment in time what the band was doing, what they were thinking at that time, and what they created. And the whole album is an art piece. You know, it, you can't, you can't, you know, buy a single off of off an artist and know the band. You know, it's just a single. It's just one song. That's correct. And you you get a lot of uh, one-hit wonders nowadays, you know. Um, it's, it's a bit of a shame, but, uh, yeah, it's the way the, the world is evolving. Everything has to be now and now. And if you release a, a single, people are expecting you to release the second one within the month. You know, it's a bit strange, but uh, the pressure yeah. is high. Yeah, I know, and that's the whole thing. It's like it's um, for musicians. It's a good thing the the stream is going less away from from albums and more to singles. And some artists, that's what they do is they they don't they're not releasing albums. They're releasing singles at predetermined times to you know to get exposure. And like I'm talking like because I've had a chance to talk to some. You know, um, professionals like Glenn Drover, the ex-guitarist of Megadeth, when I was on a radio station, I got to interview him. And that's what he was doing is he's releasing singles mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, to... To keep you know, up with uh, the speed of... To keep up of, with the speed of, yeah. Yeah, of, of music, yeah. Now, um, perhaps a personal question, but name something that, that you're bad at but just love to do. Something that I'm bad at that I just love to do? Yeah. <laughs> don't 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 mind singing under the shower for example. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking here something that I'm bad at that I just love to do. Jaywalking. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, oh, jeez. Um, drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's bad for me, but I love to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, I drink too much wine. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So you're bad at drinking wine, but you love just love the wine. <laughs> I, I can't. Yeah, I can't stop. <laughs> Any specific brand? Uh, Italian wine, French wine? Actually, I, I make my own wine. You make your own wine? Okay. Yes, I do. Yeah. Uh, that's the benefits of living here in Hamilton. It's uh, Niagara wine country. Oh, okay. So I think this Canada does, does make wine. Ontario makes some fine quality wines. And I'm able to buy my grapes directly from the grape growers here in the area. And so I, I, I uh, or sometimes I buy mine from Cal, my California grapes that are imported. But uh, I make, I make wine uh, here in my own, in my own shed. And I, uh, I barrel age it in my, in my cellar in the basement and have wine all year round. So that's, that, now we know what you're doing in your free time. That's what I do in my free time. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite part of your daily routine? Well, right now, I would say um, I've been out of work for five months, and I I spend all my time, all my days working at music full time. So it's been uh, uh, I've been working diligently 
I have a new CD being released this mm-hmm. summer called Echo Cosmic, and I just in the process of uh, getting that all put together. All the music has been done. It's been mastered. It's ready to go. We're just working on the the, the uh, CD covers and jackets, and uh, working on a promotional plan with uh, my music publicist to uh, to promote it for the next uh, five six months and really get the uh, really get the attention on it for when and, it's released. And for people that are listening now, where can they find it? Because you know um, we have a lot of listeners, of course, from Europe. Um, they can order it on on the website or yes. iTunes, Amazon. They, they will be able to order it on iTunes, on Amazon, um, pretty much almost anywhere online. And you can also order it uh, through the website, my website, www.pyramidsonmars. You'll be able to buy either a physical copy off the website, or you can. There's links to iTunes as well, right there, so you can get it. And okay. that'll be released in the. I think, but we're shooting for for September of 2015. And this CD is what I would call a game changer for instrumental rock. Okay, we're, we're cur- mean, curious about it. <laughs> what I mean by that is, um, uh, I, I've taken Pyramids on Mars to a new a new height, a new level. Every song on this CD is high energy, really catchy in your face, turn up the radio in your car, blasting, and just drive as fast as you want because it's that kind of an album. It's a driving, high-energy, instrumental album. It's it's going to blow your socks off. Um, I mean, I love Satriani, I love Vi, but Satriani, the difference between him and I is that he's more blues-based and um, I'm more metal Influence, so my energy and my music is a lot more aggressive, a lot higher. Mm-hmm. I kind of come from the school of Pantera and Ingve Malmsteen, so um, it's you know it's it's really it's a great album. Like I just I've been listening to it every day in the car, and <laughs> and even my kids are like, Daddy, put on the first song, put on the first song. <laughs> that the first single, it it's my kids love it, and it's funny because like they listen, they're exposed to all kinds of music. But they're in the back seat and they're humming the melodies and they just hum the entire song all the way through. So if I'm able to get seven year olds to really dig my music, I think I've got something. <laughs> <laughs> Now, um, of course, keep us uh, informed when you release it so we can make some extra uh, publicity for you, of course, Absolutely. here in, in, in Europe. Um, Absolutely. Now, one last question before we end this interview because I see we're already up uh, half an hour now. Um, If you would have to name the top three of your bucket list, you know, 10 things to do before I die, the top three, what would it be? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Get a record deal. <laughs> a record deal, number one? Getting a record deal and uh, and um, touring the world. Absolutely, I, I got to be touring the world and uh, getting my music uh, heard Uh, on the the largest base possible. Okay, so it's all uh, it's all in the music. <laughs> it's all the music. Yeah, I'm not stopping. Okay, now um, gladly, uh, well, of course, glad that, that uh, you took the time for this interview. Um, I know we've uh, back and forth uh, quite a lot, but uh, now it's done. Everyone can listen to everything you had to say, the deep sides of 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 Kevin of Bruins of on Mars. Um, and of course, yeah, 
uh, we'll check it out from the moment you release the album. You can yes. enjoy it and then uh, just give us a notice and we'll post it on our website and all social media, of course. Absolutely. Yes, I'll definitely send it to you guys. Okay. I'll let you know once it's released. That Thanks a lot. And well, until next much, time, Dave. of course. Yes, I'd love to come back on again. <laughs> yeah, we'd love to. We'd love to. <laughs> until next time. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. All right, cheers. <laughs>